Welcome to Worker Movement, a podcast dedicated to working class, a podcast dedicated to raising class consciousness. This podcast is for you, for us, for the worker. On today's episode, we're going to talk about how capital won the 2020 elections and how there's really nothing that could have been done differently to cause a different result. Uh, so what we mean by this is uh, you have two parties, and uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but um, we have two Republicans um, vying for the presidency. Uh, we have Joe Mensha, uh, also known as Joe Biden. Dude, that's good. Yeah, that's, isn't, that's, that's, that's the best. Yeah. Where, where'd you get that from? That was good. I don't know. I also like Goldfish Joe. Okay. Because he's just popping around. And... He, just, he has like a three-second memory. Doesn't really do justice though to like the he's like in the middle of a sentence and then he reboots and then he keeps going. Think he can draw a clock? <laughs> I I don't know, maybe. Uh and then Trump has a like an ad where it just Joe Biden is out of touch and he's old and he doesn't know what's going on, and then it plays like three or four clips of just like incoherence, and you're just sitting there like, Oh my god, I have to listen to this for the next six months. It's this like who can call who the dumbest and worst person possible, and yet they're both the same person. Only one's a introvert and one's an extrovert. But and one's, one's a war criminal and the other one's Donald Trump. Ooh, this one we're gonna go. But there we go. War criminal. So it's I don't know if that joke works. No, they're both war criminals. Uh, let's let's just get into that. Uh, let's see. So yeah, so <laughs> you said at the beginning that capital went, and they did. They did everything in their power to prevent um, Burn Dog from getting in uh, the I don't know nomination. I think there was a time in which we both joked before the podcast that Joe Biden's going to come from the depths of hell and come back and be a um, the nominee, especially when. Uh, you're watching old Peter. Um, Peter Butterbar. Peter Butterbar began to flail uh, when we watched Warren's um, just <laughs> devastating. I mean, loss here. I mean, I'm just kidding. It was just a disaster. Her campaign is just a shit lived disaster of just Karen's uh, <laughs> running around just calling managers about why they should win. Uh, we watched a billionaire spend a bunch of his money, but not really a lot. Relative it was a good investment for him. It was a good investment for him. Michael Bloomberg was the real winner, I think. Yeah, he he not only staved off taxes that would have cost him more than $400 million, but he got his name out there again. He was able to pull the party to the right, Um, just like Yang, the Yang Bang trained that guy. uh, $1,000 from a billionaire, that's just I totally forgot he even existed until you just said it. Yeah, he was the the California tech fucks, or bros. Like people that sit around and pretend that they know how to invest money. By the way, I may or may not know some people like that. So, uh, yeah, here's a here's a slide deck. You go listen to my pitch, and I go, sure, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll listen to your pitch. Um, so, capital wins, um, and, and no matter what you do, capital's going to win, and that's partly because they play the money card, and we play the we have nothing else card besides electoral politics right now. Uh, so we'll just start there. So let's talk about electoral politics and what that really means. All right. So, so capital wins. Um, and 
it appears that the fun part about Joe Manchin, just go back to that for a second. I was just checking in some of the websites that may or may not be registered, and JoeMentor.com is taken, JoeMentor.net is taken, but .org is open. So if anybody out there in our fan base of six people want to <laughs> register that and link it to something, that's a good call. I mean, we got .us, that's a good one, Joe Um .club, .ceo, oof, that's expensive. There's, that's a, there's a large aggregation of people with dementia that want to create their own pack to, to advocate for a candidate that you know, represents their interests at this point in time if, if they can remember what their interests are. Yeah, yeah, good point. <laughs> so let, let's talk about electoralism then uh, real quick. So, so everybody thinks that you go and you cast your vote and you're part of the team. But you have to understand that you're not actually part of any team because you're not really part of the Democratic or Republican Party. You're not part of the Green Party, not independent, unless you are a small elective you know, body, which, which is part of the uh, party. So what does that really mean is that you go and you select your favorite team to win. And you do that by casting a vote. And you do that normally uh, by starting at the presidential at the top and you click box all the way to the bottom. And by the time you get to local, you have no idea who these weirdos are. They just happen to be on the ballot. And, and so you, you like vote. choose whichever name you like the best, or the one at the top, or yeah, you, somebody or you local pissed phone. you off, so you say no, but then you accidentally vote for the person you hate, and then you don't know who the judges are. You just vote for one, even though that one probably has DUI, or like in Wisconsin that one time. Um, you know, it, it it's it's electoralism, and so you go and you participate for five minutes a month, or five minutes in one month, oh. November. Every two, Every two years. Oh. Yes. And what are you doing between that? You get to look at ads and other stuff, and you get to get called, and you get volunteers knocking on your door, I guess, sometimes. And you can buy swag if you want to to vote for your favorite team. But in the end, just know that this is a team-based sport. It's all it is. Electoralism is a team-based sport, and you want to be part of the winning team, and you will pick candidates based primarily on that. And you're just the guys I, sitting in the crowd eating popcorn watching a baseball game. Being tribal. I'm voting this because my parents did. I'm voting this because I'm rebelling. And I'm not calling on anybody in general, but in the end, I mean, you may vote Republican because your parents are Democrats and you hate the idea of that. Or you vote the other way around because you came from a small town and you hate whatever you hate. It doesn't matter. Or you're a single issue policy person. You believe in gun rights. You believe in the environment. Whatever it is, you pick your poison and you single use. But in between that is the electoralism and what this is, which means that anybody who participated in a caucus this year. Which was nobody able, because everybody got COVID, right? Everybody got COVID, right? So in the beginning, you had Iowa, which doesn't represent the country, and it's in the middle of nowhere, that began to kick off some of the surprise winners, like Peter. I totally um, forgot which, Iowa even happened, and it was like four days ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so wonderful, isn't it? Have they released the results yet? I think it's still going back for recount number 812. Um, I have no idea. I totally lost interest. Well, as soon as that shadow group began to make apps for the Democratic Party, you knew something was off. The FCIA operative was running for president, and then <laughs> oh, CIA front group made an app for the CIA front group called the Democratic Party. Whoop, whoop. Somebody won. So that's electoralism in a nutshell. Uh we can go into it more as we get closer and closer to elections. 
season, I guess. As November gets closer, you get more of these awesome tidbits. Um, actually, lost my train of thought. Oh, why you couldn't win? Yeah, capitalism. So, so let's go and talk about basically how super packs work, or we can talk about um, why. Let's talk about lost. the grift of running a campaign. Oh, that is wonderful. Because arguably the entire Democratic Party participated in this grift. Well, how do you transfer wealth from one person to another and make it appear that it's a gift? And that's You run a campaign. You run a campaign. Like, what who get... is Beto O'Rourke? Yeah, he lost. <laughs> he lost Texas. And he ran again. And someone thought he was going to skateboard his way into the White House. I mean, he, he didn't want to... He dropped out before there was anything. Like he ran. I, I don't even know what happened, but I totally forgot he existed. Yeah, who is that um, awesome uh, stone lover? What the hell is her name? Oh, oh the name. orb lady. Orb lady. What's her name? Marianne w- w- something Williamson. Exactly. Like so, she so, has no place even being anywhere close to this. So. What happens, and this is the beautiful grift, is you can actually take <laughs> other people's money and do stuff with it. And as a candidate, need, as a candidate, if you need food, guess what you can do? You can go to eat on someone else's dime. And you want a fundraiser? Boom, boom. You can go eat. You need clothes? You can be like Sarah Palin and get a whole wardrobe bought for you. You can have a forty thousand dollar wardrobe bought because it's needed for the campaign. That's two write- Sarah Palin references in two consecutive episodes. That's right. We're nailing it two for two, baby. You could, um, you can rent your house space out because it's campaign now. So you just clear out your basement, put some boxes on there, and say it's campaign. So you could rent it out for a third of the cost or whatever your mortgage is. You can buy books. You can get limos and taxis given to you. You can do all the stuff in personal land, just like you could in any guest slush fund you had in a private company, all to yourself. The next thing that's great is if you have friends that do anything at all within the <laughs> any type of consulting work you can just write them checks as consultants which is wonderful so you have a hundred thousand dollars in your war chest and you have to give thirty thousand dollars away to your friends that's great because your friends are going to generate for you a hundred dollar commercial that you're going to get charged ten thousand dollars for as the campaign it, entity as the campaign entity sorry not you personally the campaign entity and then you're going to say i need to buy ad time so someone's going to go out and say, I can buy you ad time at X amount of dollars per play. So maybe three, $400 per play, whatever it is, or a thousand, depending on your demographics, wherever you're at. And they go, great, but guess what? There's a 40% service charge for me to book these for you. So guess what happens? You bundle all this together into a shadow group and you throw it out the door. And then what you can do is you can take the same group of people that are taking your shadow money and they can form a pack. And now they have a pack. Which means they can take unlimited money from outside groups if they wanted to, and not disclose. Which is which isn't really part of the grift, but it's no the campaign is the grift. Yeah, it's 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 all being part of this whole machinery of putting up a farce that you have a choice in who your next leader is because there's a capital mean they're going to select who they want to run for two parties of the system, and if you're not part of that they're going to run campaigns against you or try to recruit individuals to fight you in the primaries. And you see this all the time where someone gets out of pocket and the DNC or the GOP run in and they put in a, a basically a preferred boy or girl 
two all run in place, and then they uh, may or may not win the primary, which means they may or may not kick you out. And so it's sort of a, a way to check the party and check you. So this was uh, most recently implemented by the Amy McGrath uh, Senate campaign in Kentucky, where she raised effectively 41-ish million dollars to attempt to go after Mitch McConnell. And it's looking like she's probably going to lose. Uh, it'll take like four years to count the votes in Kentucky, but uh, it's not looking real good for her. But the good news is she raised so much money and there's no way that she wasn't grifting or else she's like the worst, most incompetent candidate ever. I mean, $40 million is a <laughs> lot of airtime. It's the type of airtime you get when you can flood the airwaves for every other advertisement in every station that's on TV and the radio. It literally is. It's like a, it's for two months away from the primary. It's it's going to be. Well, the, the, I can't believe how you can spend forty million dollars. And like the the primary for Kentucky was on Tuesday, June twenty third. And so, like, what's she going to do with the money she didn't spend? Part of the grift. Wow. Part yeah. of the grift. That's right. Wow, I didn't know it was that close. And and so what what might have been the plan here is controlled opposition. You know, we we don't really want to depose of Mitch McConnell because he's doing what we ultimately kind of want or are okay with. Um, there has been basically no democratic opposition to anything that Trump has put forth. Um, you know, we don't have DACA wasn't a thing. Uh, Kids are still in cages. I mean, people haven't talked about that, but apparently concentration camps are fine. Uh, of this stupid wall that Chuck Schumer agreed to partially fund or something, instead of just like drawing a hard line and being like, how about no? Uh, so she raised an insane amount of money, spent it on national, national ads because people in Utah give a shit about what's going on in Kentucky. Uh, no. It's just a grift. You got to spend that money. What happens <laughs> to that money? You got to give it back or you got to professionally roll it over as another candidacy, right? I mean, yeah, that's, that's the issue. Loopholes and all that good there's stuff. There's loopholes and all this stuff, right? She could donate the chest somewhere else if she needed to. Um, she just can't carry into the new year. She can't carry debt into the new year. Uh, you got to <laughs> some practice. You guys want to understand stuff? Read your local election laws to really understand what reporting requirements are. Because every state has different reporting requirements, and if you don't meet the thresholds for reporting, guess what you don't have to do? You don't have to report. So that means that you could run your own campaign if you wanted to for whatever the reporting requirements are. So if you have a $500 limit, then you could run a campaign for $450, and nobody has to know where the money came from. That's just a little tidbit. And, and it reduces overhead and makes it a little bit more accessible for people, too. 100%, yeah. So so the, the grift here is that there's always somebody who wants to get the money from a campaign. So let's talk about the things you have to buy if you are in a campaign. So normally you have to file and you file with the city clerk and that's, or whatever the county clerk or the state board, whatever the board, whatever the board is that you have to file with. So let's just talk about local law or whatever. You have to file some decree that you live and you're eligible to be on the ballot and you file that. That's 40 or hundred, $200, whatever the filing fee is, thousand dollars. 
Sometimes and then you it's have predicated to, on ballot access or you have to get they, signatures or you're like the selected anointed party person and some guy in an ivory tower can just say you're on the ballot. You're on the ballot. And nuances to that, whatever. But that's the two-party system for you, right? The, the two major parties get to select candidates in some areas that, that don't require anything beyond just being selected. Uh, and so what else do you need? Well, you're going to have to form, if you want to, a committee. And this is what's supposed to be your controller to prevent you from committing fraud. They're the ones that are going to sign your checks or whatever it is. But it happens to really just be you and maybe like one of your best friends. And that's like your committee. And that's there's no real real accountability because it's just you and people that are going to say yes to you anyways. So there you have to find a domain name or some sort of pitch that you love. And you're going to buy yourself a website, right? You're going to find uh, somebody to put up a website for you. You're going to try to build it yourself. You have that going for you. Now you got to buy access to voters and there's beautiful tools that each party controls that you can give money to them and they will give you access to voters, voter information. So that always look out for that. Then you have to buy things like infrastructure, like your t-shirts and your signs and your yard signs. And you have to get all your emails to everybody in that, on those lists. And you have to have, donor meetings and all these other policy meetings and you have to look nice and do all these other things. So along the way, there are tons of areas to spend money. And that's the grift. The grift is that you just convert other people's money into friends for your, for money to yourself and your friends along the way. (laughs) So at the, at the presidential level, this happens. You have Ben Carson. He ran, you have Amy McGrath. I mean, you, this happens. This is a thing that occurs. And if you think it doesn't occur at the local level, you're also mistaken. So part part of what sort of makes it impossible is that people are not running in good faith. And the other people that are running in good faith don't really understand that kind of regardless of what they do, these other people are in it to make money and in it to win because they've been promising other people that they will make them money. So it, it's an entirely just sort of corrupt system that self-perpetuates because money's involved. And if, if you're not understanding that uh, money is the driver of all of this, you're going to have a bad time when you go to be a candidate and you spend a bunch of money on stupid shit like yard signs and stickers that do not in any way, shape or form matter. And then you spend all your time and then you have to like talk with like these crazy people about, oh, I want a yard sign, but I I want a blue one instead of a red one. And you have a bigger one. And now I need to fucking buy rebar. And, oh, did you buy the rebar from the union that's really been co-opted by the city? Because I like to support Mm. unions, but I don't have a fucking clue what's happening in my local area. And now you've spent four hours trying to get this random person that lives at the end of a dead end, a fucking yard sign. That donated just enough money to cover minus $5 of the yard sign. <laughs> so you lost money on this, but, but the but person that neighbor... sold the sign to you, you know, made money. And the best part is it's all collusion because if you try to price out and piece out any of these signs, you're going to find out that they're all the same price. Now, there's different access levels. Like some may charge you $200 or $300, depending on how many pieces you have. But in the end, if you buy 300 signs, it's about the same price. 
the best part about all of this is that anybody who's ran cannons before knows this. And they're going to steer you in the direction that they need to steer you in order for you to buy exactly what they want you to buy. And that's why they write you the check. And so it's a very vicious, crazy system that even happens down at the local level, especially if you're one of the top 10 cities uh, population-wise, or if not more in your in your state, in which there is a machine that is running constantly to basically make money off the script. Where the the local elections like city council and mayor they're they're generally not heavily contested from a kind of political machine uh point of view but let's let's say you have 10 people run for a city council seat and everybody involved is just kind of like passively interested they all have these noble intentions of we're going to clean up this city we're going to make sure that kids you know get education funding and we're going to have clean water and all these kind of general platitudes uh but they're all like, hey, you know what I need to do? I need to buy signs. And they're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. So they find the first kind of entity that sells signs. And uh, whoever sells the signs like, great, I got 10 candidates. None of them have ten a candidates. clue what they're doing. So I'm going to sell 10 candidates worth of signs. Great. Thank you very much. And then they take you know, that 10 candidates worth of signs. They turn around and they donate to who they want to donate. And... Uh, that person probably goes on to win because they're the selected uh, vote by capital. And let's uh, let's let's peel back this on you one more layer. So you generally win not from your network, but from the networks of other people. And so how you get anointed at the city, state, and county level is you normally have groups of people that are championing you somehow, either through whisper campaigns, email campaigns, or just blatant just endorsements. So things like, you know, the Chamber of Commerce or the League of whatever the league is. I was going to say Women's Order, but they don't actually endorse. So that's a, that's a lie. But um, so you have the builders associations. You're going to have all these pro-capital, these manufacturing associations, all these, all these pro-capital people that are endorsing. And at the same time, you're going to have our unions that are endorsing. And whether you like it or not, the unions tend to endorse transactionally. And they're going to endorse the team that's going to win because in the end, they're going to believe that they're going to get, I guess, a better outcome for the people they endorse because it's sort of a transactional thing. Yeah, they want and, to play both sides to the degree that they can. I mean, it's, it's kind of like how your big, giant defense companies will donate to both candidates running. 50-50, right? It's just yeah. transactional. They don't want to piss it's anybody off. You don't want to act, ever actually take a stand on anything because that might create some inconvenience. Capital has no stance besides making more money. And so they're going to pick people who are going to guarantee them more money. You're going to hear it come out of their mouths by saying things like I'm pro business or I'm a small business owner, or I've done things like I am part of the chamber of commerce, or I did the entrepreneur class in college, or I did, um, I don't know, I work at a bank. It doesn't matter. I sell mortgages. It doesn't matter what they are, but they come out and they always have the pro business and they always have a pro police stance because people want safety and security. And they want to hear about, how are you going to bring jobs to their community? Because that's what you've been fed to believe. <clears throat> we could probably actually just do an entire podcast continuously on how to do, how to win elections. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the, the things that matter are basically covered in the movie Black Sheep. Literally. That's at, what matters. At the local level, that, that's effectively what matters. And you, you have, I'm going to say, power structures that are in place that serve to perpetuate themselves. And yeah. It, it, 
unless you are going completely on your own and are not supporting any of these institutions, which if you're a first time candidate, you don't even know they exist. Uh, but you, you have to go out of your way to support, to avoid supporting institutions that do not reciprocate and support you. Because the, the sign company is readily going to take your money to make signs and then they're going to turn around and not support you. They don't care. Yeah, if we take it from the, the point of view that you are a leftist or a worker and you're trying to make it better for workers, nobody you give money to in this campaign or any campaign you want to run supports you. Because every single thing that you're doing or paying for, you're actually attempting then to break that cycle. So if you start talking about co-ops and the business owner who makes T-shirts doesn't want their 25 employees to be part owners, they're not going to vote for you. And they're going to convince their employees not to vote for you. And they're going to give all the money you just gave them to your opponents. And they're probably going to give them and donate them uh, basically lower cost t-shirts lower cost t-shirts and the students going as a donation right everybody's allowed to donate whatever your limits are so some some say 2500 some say 500 for city whatever happens to be they can donate that and legally and legally give them that much value of material because that's a donation so just keep that in mind as you begin to fight power And and you see this everywhere when you see people in city council races across the um United States, state level, whatever, um, basically fighting capital because capital does not want to lose because if they lose, they know there's implications because the, once the workers begin to win, we begin to claw back what they've taken from us. And so if you kind of wrap this back up in the high level 2020 presidential campaign, you had a candidate in Bernie Sanders who was by far the most plausibly electable left-leaning candidate in a long cycle. Everybody from the position of capital ganged up on him and sought to see him lose. From Michael Bloomberg explicitly spending money to, you know, your Peter Butterbars of the world to your Elizabeth Warrens, who had no business staying in the race other than to hurt Bernie electorally, to Obama, who didn't do literally anything for the last three years except ensure Joe Biden was the nominee and Bernie lost. Uh, It's capital preserves capital. And that's been absolutely true this election cycle. And it will continue to be true because for the most part, we know who the candidates are and we all know who they support at the end of the day. Yes. Just so you know, nothing in Biden's past even suggests that his future is going to be anything more than just a moderate Republican. And moderate might actually be too kind of a word. Still, Capital won again because they basically took during the primary process their actions they needed to to stunt and slow down the only candidate that was probably on the ballot that fought them. And you saw it when all nine other candidates ganged up. You took a perpetual front runner and you knocked him down to basically a loser. And that was all done through Capital because they came at it through every single angle. They played the war vet and Peter. They played the female card in Warren. They tried to bring up Katmala, who I actually forgot, right? They've tried to bring up the prosecutor and person of color in uh, Kamala. Uh, they tried to, they threw at them Michael Bloomberg, who was a billionaire. They threw at them um, anybody that they could throw at his way to try to slow him down and steal votes away. And they and they accomplished what they needed to. They, they stole young tech bros away with Yang. I mean, they did everything they could to slow him down, and it worked. 
Isn't that a warm fuzzy? Yeah, you feel good. Yeah. <laughs> that there is some people who are more organized in the left right now to the point where we can't even win local elections, let alone even talk about going to the national level. Yeah, so the moral, literally... <laughs> Go ahead. moral of the story is none of the like national stuff matters. Organize locally because it's the thing that you can actually control and have input into without being absolutely stomped on by national media, by large giant corporations that have devoted significant resources to ensuring that their will is preserved. And I mean, think of all the money that got donated to Bernie. And I don't, I don't want to make the argument that you know, it, it was money spent well or not, but there was a significant amount of money. It got converted, if you talk about it, you know, thinking, trying to think nationally, it got converted to basically increased stock prices for Comcast, our enemy, right? It got converted to, to stock prices for Time Warner and anybody else that's running ads. It got converted to merch shops. Hopefully they're union shops. I'm pretty sure they were. But then, you know, it gets converted to basically just sustaining interns at some point in time, which brings local money in. But is it was it money worth spent? I don't know. It, it did pull the party to the left, which is good. It did inspire people to run, which is great. But look at the energy level right now. It wasn't the energy of Bernie that's putting people in the streets right now. It's the energy of, you know, cops murdering individuals, right? So so where is that movement at and where actually was the leadership at? There's nobody coming out of his campaigns that were leaders. And so I'll basically argue that thinking nationally and thinking globally actually hurts sort of the cause right now because cause we can think globally, but we need to act locally. And that's the important part. You're, you're if you want to look it up, like – your sphere of influence, your ring of influence is local only. It is your friends and family. It's whatever groups you belong to, church or not, your Boy Scouts of America. Those are all groups that, you know, whatever. Um, but wherever you, you react to or you work at your workplace, if you can talk about it there, you know, your neighborhood, those are only places that you can really act in your community. And those are the places you should focus. And another challenge for you guys, you know, right? So this is a good challenge episode. This is a good practice episode. It's, it's look at your local laws. That's one. Two, We'll find out who locally you want to support because I'm guessing filing is almost done. Nobody can probably file right now. I don't want to know all 50 states, but most states, I think, filing windows for locals are finished. But think about running for next year. And if you want to run, uh, you can always email us at uh, podcast at workermovement.com or volunteer at workermovement.com, and we will point you in the right direction uh, because that's huge practice right there. If you want to run, let us know. We will manage and show you guys, anybody, how to do it. Um, again, your sphere of influence is local, and so capital will always win if we were up against all of capital, and that's what happened this year at national. We, we, or I should say we, but Bernie was up against all capital at one point in time, and that's why locally we can chip away. For future episodes and to learn more about the worker movement, join us at jomensha.org.